You can't just, there's this idea that, oh yeah, well writers, you lock yourself away and you do it. Whether it's any kind of writing, I think, but you, it just, mm. it all feeds in, you can't do it. I think like, I spent like two or three years working in a shop just to like have the money to go to uni and mm. everything. Um, but instead of using that as research, I just worked my job and then afterwards kind of looked back on it and then thought because I'd gotten so in, into it and everything, then I could use it as research mm -hmm. and it's yeah. quite a nice way of... Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Human interaction helps. I mm. mean, I'd, I'd, I'd start to worry when I um, begin asking my cat. <laughs> yeah, that's a different novel altogether. <laughs> there we go. Through the eyes of a cat. There's a film coming out, actually, Oh, about a couple in their 30s, and I think I saw the trailer for it when I went to see uh, Perfect Sense, and um, they take their cat to the vet, and you can kind of see the relationship with this cat, who they think is going to get put down. They went, oh no, the cat's going to live for another 10 years. And they're going, oh my God, they've got another 10 years. Anyway, yes, I think that through the eyes of a cat would be interesting. Yeah. Mm, anyway, um, this is, you'd love to have heard more of that conversation, I'm sure. This is Scotch Way podcast number seven. And um, with me this evening are Kirsty Neary. Hi there. And Sam Best. Hi And they are here because Kirsty's novel, Kirsty's Who Voice you'll recognise as being our resident film expert and there's the follow-up of that will be with us soon um has her new novel i have it here abstract concrete uh now out and about uh yes as of last night as of last night yeah although when you hear this probably ages and ago but let's it of as of last night um and it, you can go and buy it from all good bookshops mm -hmm. i'm hoping and sam is here because he is the editor of Octavius, I've got that name right, That's Literary right, Magazine, yeah. and uh, which is, well, explain a little bit about Octavius. Uh, basically, it's a, a literary journal aimed at students in Scotland. So um, we're aiming to get submissions from anybody who's studying any subject at any sort of college or university in Scotland. You don't have to be from Scotland, but mm -hmm. you have to be studying here. Um, yeah. And yeah, we're just looking for any submission from those people. Um, to try and get an idea of what the students are writing at the moment because I think it's a, a good way to get a reflection of, I don't know, where people are at the moment really. And I think there's a lot of talent in universities and colleges that... You think it's I untapped? I mean, I yeah. think that's what I think, that there are, there are um, people who either don't know... When I was speaking to uh, Louise Welsh, who is now writer-in-residence at Glasgow and Glasgow School of Art, she has these... Um, a, drop drop-ins for for people to come in and say here's my written work i'll have a look at it but people either they feel oh my god it's louise welch it's a published writer and perhaps that puts them off or there's still this idea of a student um teacher relationship which i think yeah. what you're doing kind of breaks that down yeah i didn't want i think there's a lot of the idea of like a student as someone who's learning to get somewhere mm. um and i think that when someone says that they're a student who's also a writer they kind of group that together as the, you know, your writing's not quite good enough yet. But I think there's a lot of writing that is perfectly good enough. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to be able to give people like that the chance to get their writing out there without having to have a big reputation behind them. Because I think a lot of it is, you know, you can submit to big magazines, but if you're an unknown, you're going to have a harder time getting published. Yeah. 
No, you're doing a fantastic thing because one of the things that um, I found very, very difficult initially was uh, that there are some fantastic magazines out there in Scotland, but it's really, really hard to get your foot in the door. Yeah. Um, so this is this is this is a total open forum, and you're right. There's a lot of talent out there. Yeah. So yeah, and you're not. You're right. Often it's people who have maybe got in before, so the magazines trust that they're of a certain um, standard or. Just the magazines start to say, this is this is uh, the way we're going down. These are the type of writers yeah. we want. Actually, if you start and say, we'll take anything you want, yeah. now it's, it's dangerous because you might get lots and lots of stuff that yeah. is just wild. Um, but uh, if you're willing to kind of take that on board, then what you're going to come up with is something um, really different and kind of cross-genre and a... As you say, you're not look. You're not just targeting creative writing yeah. courses or even English literature courses. You're saying any student studying in Scotland is is more than welcome to to send something in. Yeah. Now that's also a, um, a, a brilliant thing because I think um, <clears throat> um, whatever the their intentions, I think sometimes creative writing courses tend to um, drive all their their students to kind of write in the same way, or a, a, yeah. a, a, a particular teacher will have a particular issue with a particular style. Um, and that, that that's a brilliant thing because it, it it kind of it makes students look at their own writing and, and self edit and kind of be aware of what works and what doesn't. But you do tend to have people dumbing down their own voices, and this leaves it open to everybody. I mean, I'd be really really interested to read submissions for from from science departments from yeah. from yeah, math. So would I. I think that's really important. I think people start to categorise, especially at university. You know, you say, well. Oh, you're a scientist, and that's what you do. Yeah. Or you're, um, I don't know, a doctor, and that's what you do. Actually, you know, people's interests are far wider than that, and you can, there's so much untapped potential at people to go. Oh, and I, I was talking to someone who, um, oh, Victoria, that was at your book reading, last uh-huh. night, and she was saying that someone in her department, which is not a literary department, had come up and said, "Well, how? Oh, you write books," and suddenly it was really interested. Yeah. Nearly everyone thinks, I believe, that they've got at least something in them, whether it's a, well, because some of them won't have a book in them or even a short story in them. But if you can tap into people and say, "No, we're not going to just because you maybe haven't um, read these authors." then we're not going to let you in. We're going to say, no, whatever has, has, has inspired you to put, I was going to say pen to paper. You, yeah, you, know, you know what I mean by that. Yeah. Uh, to hit the keys, um, we're going to take that on board. Yeah. I remember uh, I was in first year at uni and I had a very good friend studying aeronautical and engineering and he was also a fantastic guitarist. So mm. if people are doing these kind of things in their spare time, why close the doors? Yeah, that's right. Which brings me neatly, because you actually wrote abstract, abstract concrete when you were still at uni, didn't you? I did. Um, it was it was a bit um, kind of slapdash at first because I was I was kind of getting up in the morning doing a couple of thousand words before uni, um, opening up another file at uni, writing some more, um, and then kind of emailing things to myself and losing things and finding them again and wondering mm-hmm. what the hell I was doing. Um, but I think there's a certain uh, there's a certain sense of pressure in the novel um, that I think came you know kind of came off that I was I was you were pressurised to kind of fit it into your mm-hmm. lifestyle uh, and and okay that's I, interesting. I, I mean I think it, I think um, as a result it's quite pacey um, just simply because I, I, I was doing forty five million things um, yeah. and I think that's why it's 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 a lot longer than my last one um, but I had so much I wanted in there you know mm-hmm. just to keep it going keep it going and it was it was so satisfying to finish it and edit it and um, think oh my god 
done. That's really interesting to hear you say because I get this theory that when we've talked to writers and, and talked to bands and stuff over the years, that often the best stuff is the stuff that's done under pressure. Actually, when people have time mm. to go, I mean, we can all think of um, examples in music, I'm sure, but um, time to kind of say, well, I would change that, I would change that. We were talking uh, with uh, Ronnie Young and Chris Ward about the best Scottish novels and all that, and that podcast's going to be with you soon, I hope. And we were talking about Janice Galloway's The Tricks to Keep Breathing, and I wondered if, if she was to go back now, if she would change anything, because it's a very... Um, there's lots going on and I'll stick the text in the margins and I'll do all these things and I wonder whether oh no that's too showy I wouldn't do that now because there seems to me as, as writers get on and as bands get on and as filmmakers get on they say no um, that's not how you do it you do it this way and you make it simpler and you do all these things but actually what people who don't write or don't make music or don't make films they like that they like enthusiasm the youthful the mistakes and again, going back to when we did the podcast with Alan Bissett, he went back and re... a mad undertaking, I'd still say. He rewrote, or at least re-edited Boy Racers. Mm. And the thing that attracted me to Boy Racers in the first place, and to be fair to him, he's kept it in the rewrite, he hasn't lost it, is the kind of what he calls the whiz-bang. You mm. know, and here's a band, and let's move on to the next one and everything. And now he says, well, that's not the way you write a novel. But actually, that's what maybe attracts people. Yeah. If you hear an album by someone who, maybe they don't even know how to play properly, but you get a real enthusiasm and a real jump from them. Do you know what? Uh, Alan Bissett's a great example. I'm, I'm about halfway through his recent novel, Pac-Man. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's basically set at the, uh, the, when Rangers played Manchester mm -hmm. and basically Scotland invaded the whole city and took it over. Mm -hmm. And... A lot of mental stuff happened, but what keeps it going, what keeps me interested in a novel about football, um, is the breaks off in the text. He has mm. kind of flashbacks to Al and it's not really about football, is it? I mean, it really it's about masculinity and, and questioning it yeah. and proving it and uh, undermining it. I think yeah. he's, he's got a, he's got a great way with um, here is a man, a Glasgow man, and here's what he's really like. Mm -hmm. um, why are you taking this? Yeah, kind of yeah. Um, Alvin's a fantastic character mm. um, for for doing that, for questioning it, and for, for um, being a real man and a sound guy and an intelligent person without the need to be a brute. Um, mm -hmm. Dolby's a great character also. He's got a son in the text, mm -hmm. and um, he's he's kind of constantly negotiating between the massive, doom-laden, uh, baby-eating uh, Rangers fans and, you know, just Alvin and his pals. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it, it's, a, it's a very, very nice touch just to see that, that, that kind of... The geezer... With the you know the heart of gold yeah, kind of thing, yeah. it's nicely done, very very nicely done. Um, and I think it's interesting that he went back and, and looked at those earlier characters. Um, but I think what you might get in uh, hopefully in, in in Octavius is you'll get that real burst of enthusiasm. Yeah. And yes, they might make mistakes. And yes, you might say, well, perhaps in years to come you might not have done that. But I think that's a great. Um, Interest and vibrancy for people who don't do that in that early, you know, those early yeah. steps. I think you can see writing rather than like uh, sort of definitive. This is my brilliant novel. There is nothing I would change. It's more of like a snapshot. Mm. A sort of this is where I am. Like I am twenty two years old and I have written this story and this reflects what I see around me just now. And that might change. There might be mistakes, but mm. that's it's honest. And I, yeah. I think that that's what I want to get. I want people when they are down the road. You know, if they do become more and more successful, they can look back. At an issue of Octavius and say, like God, you know, cringing at that story, but 
look, you know, I really like what I did with it, even though there's things I might change now. And it got me this far. It mm -hmm. gave me this sort of encouragement. And I think that in terms of opportunities, specifically for students, there maybe aren't that many. Um, so we want to have a huge opportunity for students and just give them a bit of an extra push to say, you know, if, if you don't think you're quite there yet, then you know, give it to us and we'll see. And we'll decide, yeah. yeah. To be honest, nobody's, nobody is ever going to sit down and write if they're thinking about what they're going to be changing later or um, all the revisions or the six months down the line cringe factor. They're, yeah. they're, wanting, to, they're wanting to write. You know, just yeah. and, and there's something really, really pure about that, and something um, that's really, really it's sparking. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna you're gonna be getting a lot of talent in terms of that that draw that pull that here's my brilliant idea. Yeah. Um, and you're gonna you're gonna get um, the glee of having done that as opposed to here's my I've been editing this for the past forty years. I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got this in a suitcase. My I've been carrying it about with me since I was twenty years old. That's and and again, what Alan had said was, um, "Boy Racers" was the only book that he didn't feel the real pressure of writing as the first novel. Now, you have lived with this for a while because uh, the abstract concrete for a while, because you wrote it a while ago, and then as you said to me last night, you didn't really change it much before it actually got published. So was there this temptation to say, "I've written since then, and perhaps I think I'm." A better writer now. I'm going to tinker with this. Are you quite happy that this was a uh, this this was the story you wanted to tell, and I will get it out there. The story I wanted to stick with the story because um, it was about the eighty percent finished before I had the the breathing space to, to to write the ending and kind of tie everything up. And I I that was that was joyful. Just just letting it rip and knowing exactly where everything was because I was by then familiar with the text again. Um, reordering it was a it was, oh, it was a lengthy process, but once I had, mm -hmm. um, I read it back through. Took me a long time, um, kind of editing it as I went along. I went back again. Um, I'd learned the lessons from um, my first novel. Just edit, 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 mm. edit. Get rid if it doesn't work. Get rid. And I'm I'm sure I'd, I'd, if, if I were to pick it up tomorrow and have a wee scan through, I'll definitely yeah, of course. Bit piece that'll change. But um, I've I've worked harder on it than I've worked on anything before, and I'm pretty pretty chuck with it. Mm -hmm. um, I say I got my copy last night uh, and you're kind enough to sign it and so I've not had the time to read it but there's a couple of things having looked over the covers which I'm really quite fascinated by. One, it's set in Glasgow. Mm -hmm. It's set in uh, 2024 so now I would say that makes it science fiction. Are you happy to say it's science fiction? or? I think sci-fi is fair enough. Yeah. Um, on on the blurb on the back, you know, soon books, records, and paintings fuel dustbin fires across the city. Now, it immediately put me in mind of now. Ian and I were talking about this Fahrenheit. Yeah. Three six is it three six one four fifty one four fifty one. Yes, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, Bray Bradbury, where that's the that's the temperatures which books burn, and mm. there was this whole thing. I I mean I remember reading it, and we got mixed up with the Michael Moore movie, which I think was Fahrenheit nine one one, something uh, like that. I mean, what were your influences in writing it? Uh, I, before you tell me that, I was also reminded of, and probably nothing to do with it, but in in the late nineteen seventies when uh, disco was kicking in in the states. And a lot of the kind of good old boys in the southern states 
did not, I mean, obviously this was a case of racism rather than musical taste, but decided disco sucks, they would wear t-shirts, disco sucks, and they would buy all these records to burn them in these kind of piles because they went, no, disco is the devil's work, and, and, and which I think is hilarious. But what the, the idea about people um, burning art, rec, you know, paintings, records, books, where did that come from? I, I, to be honest, before um, I got to fourth year in uni, I hadn't really been exposed to much by way of sci-fi. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I realised looking back that there, there, there are a lot of similarities. It was unintentional, but there's there are things that happen when a totalitarian state kicks in, um, and the removal of art is one of them. Um, what was happening at the time was I was trying to get things published. I was trying to um, look into doing a, uh, some postgraduate stuff. I was looking to um, maybe get some funding for, for some further work. Um, mm -hmm. And I was I was looking and looking and looking and all of these options and avenues that had been available to um, to writers such as A.L. Kennedy were very, very slowly and surely being shut down. Um, I was also uh, in, a lot of, in conversation with my professor um, at film and television, mm -hmm. um, Mr. Ian Good, who's a, a, just a fantastic, insanely intelligent guy. Um, and he was talking about the restructuring of the department, about how um, things were going to be cut. Mm. I mean, this this is before. I, I mean, I've not, having not read this, I, it does seem to be very prophetic about what the state we are in now. It was really, really scary. Um, I was I was watching um, my tutors, you know, people I respected a great deal, tearing their hair out because they, they yeah. didn't have the time. They were under a lot of pressure. Things were being cut, 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 cut. Um, I was also seeing a lot of. Um, Kind of uh, things started to look really, really similar. There was a, a, a it seemed to be a, a narrative arc whereby people went to uni, they did creative writing programs, they uh, then published their first novels and went on to great success. Whereas people who who were trying to kind of on their own weren't getting any. Yeah, that's um, interesting. My friend, uh, my friend Andrew Drennan, mm -hmm. um, and his publisher Mark Buckland, uh, they know a lot better than I, well as well as I do, how dire things were becoming. I was watching um, Mark's done. Brilliantly, I mean, I met him a few years ago, um, mm -hmm. and he, he had an idea, and now he's got all these brilliant writers on board, yeah. um, and he's he's doing fantastic things. Yes, and, and we're hoping to have him on this podcast very soon. I have to say, but he is not he, he's not making any money. He's he's not rolling in it. He's he's bringing this fantastic um, spectrum of of artists to public attention, and he's he's not he's still struggling, and it's not fair. Um, yeah, I think I think um, if anything, the the the, the germs of the, the novel were germs of petulance. Mm. I was not happy um, about the the view people were taking on on art, books, music, anything. Um, I was also seeing that I um, I dropped out of uni a couple of times, so I was a couple of years behind my fellow students. But mm -hmm. people that had um, graduated ahead of me um, in art subjects were winding up where I am now, kind of doing their arty thing in their own time and working a rubbish day job. Mm -hmm. And I just, I didn't think it was fair at all. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think uh, that that may end up, that this situation we're in, it's often the situation where money and funding is completely cut, <coughs> sometimes produces more interesting stuff because there has to be a determination and a commitment there that say, yeah, I, I, I know I've worked with lots of people in, in restaurants who are artists and printmakers and musicians and writers and they've had to do both, they've had to do both and it might be that people actually getting degrees from university in the arts are going to have to do exactly the same. It's not a great situation, of course it's not, but I would be really interested because it, it, you're going to get a commitment from people who really want to do it. Like You don't set up 
a literary magazine to make money. Yeah. You do not these days write a novel no. to make money. You'd be insane to think that you were. And there are still people who think that you do. Of course there are. You know, people say, oh, you put a novel out, Kirsty. Oh, wow, you know, it's your round. Like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't you, make so You bad. don't. It, it becomes, um, a, it's, it's, it's something, it's like an itch that you need to scratch, isn't it? You need to kind of, you know, this is what I want to deal with. This is as important to me as anything else in life and therefore I'm going to go and I'm going to keep writing and I'm going to keep making sure other people hear what's out there. Oh, to be honest, I mean, as I, I, I mentioned earlier on, I don't think I'd be happy um, locked up in, in an office somewhere for the rest of my puff doing that. It's I, I write best under pressure and the pressure um, it counts for everything because if you've got the whole day ahead of you and, you know, you've got maybe 2,000, 3,000 words to do, you're going to prevaricate, you're going to go make yourself a cup of coffee, you're going to smoke a fag, do a crossword, and it doesn't feel as as urgent, as immediate, as when you, you've got half an hour and you're knackered and you just, you really, really got to get this done. I mean, I, I, I go back to uh, referencing Douglas Adams, it's a great quote, he said, I love deadlines, I like to hear the sound of them pushing by, Classic. but, <laughs> but uh, deadlines actually are important when you really need to do it, when you think, uh, you know, even when I'm doing something for, my, for the blog, like, I have to get this out today, mm. and that's what makes you do it. I was, um, I spent a wee bit of time, uh, I mean, this is kind of before I wrote the Stanley Pantheon, um, I dropped out of uni and I was unemployed, and I had days and days and days and days of just nothing, and I hated it so, so mm. much, because I was bored and I was skint. Um, and the writing kind of helped that along, but also, I also found myself on traps whereby I would um, I would spend the day writing and I would be writing for nothing. I would be, it would be gibberish because I wasn't being driven by anything, I wasn't being influenced by anything, I just had too much time in my hands and the results were just a bit cack, really. So, mm-hmm. you got to, you got to, you got to do something different you know, no. before you sit down. It's like Sam was saying about, you know, don't just lock yourself away, get out mm-hmm. and live life, and that's the way yeah. that you will find, you know, new inspirations. Whether it is going into a pub where you think, oh, no, I don't belong here or whatever, that's often the inspiration. Often it's the extreme things that make you want to go and, 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 and note them down. Um, I don't know anyone that actually, I'm sure there are. I think about what perhaps Barbara Cartland got up every day and sat in the room coming through with her dog and, you know, and wrote this stuff. But really, nobody, not, nobody manages to do that, I don't think. No, you need to be driven. You need to yeah. be driven by something. Because um, if you're just writing in a vacuum, there's nothing there. You're producing fluff, and I've got plenty of evidence of that in my hard drive. <laughs> so, now, set in 2024, um, set in Glasgow, I'm really interested that it's set in Glasgow. Is that because you know Glasgow best or because you thought Glasgow is a really good place to write, uh, for want of a better term, dystopian uh, uh, novel? What I love about Glasgow um, and what I've tried to bring into the novel is that it's it's it's, it's not even a city of dualities. It's a, a complete multiple personality mm. kind of place. You know, you, you, you step outside from one pub, bar, restaurant to the next, you're getting a completely different experience. Yeah, um, yeah that's very true because the, you, you know people used to say, it used to be the case where you had the West End and, uh, actually no, actually Glasgow has always been like that I would say. Mm-hmm. Edinburgh you had the old town, new town and there's this whole idea of Scotland being divided and all that and it's far more complex than that of course. Glasgow's the classic example of that, you can walk from one place to the next and be, it's a completely different city. The um the character's first journey in the book it start I, I used to live um in Botanic Crescent over the Botanic Gardens and I would walk 
kind of around there, around the botanics and down Byers Road to uni. Mm -hmm. And that's the journey she's taken, but everything's completely changed. Instead of um, lush greenery, it's, it's slowly kind of rotting to mulch. Um, instead of uh, just the, you know, the, the, the green man, uh, there's there's checkpoints and guards at the top of Byers Road instead of pubs. And uh, there's just lots and lots of boarded up windows. And an old friend of hers is kind of sitting on the, on the steps looking utterly dazed. So you kept the landscape at the city and then just give it this it. kind of yeah yeah yeah. Um, and what I, I, I don't even this is kind of just a random quirk, but um, the only safe space or quote quote unquote safe space for people to go is the casinos because casinos everybody's watching everybody like a hawk. You know, there's nobody takes the piss. They don't serve alcohol anymore, but you can sit and you can have a coffee, and the people with um, nowhere else to go can just. Chuck their, their tokens that's in, really the, interesting. in the machines. Yeah, that's really um, interesting. I, I, actually, that's where a lot of heavy drinkers go for the night because they, they don't close. just because they don't close, but that's another story. Uh, I, I used to spend a lot of time in the casinos, not gambling, but um, I worked in a nightclub and after work we wanted to go for a pint and there was nowhere else to go. Yeah. Um, and I just remembered seeing all these really, really people who looked like they'd vacated. You know, they're, they're, they're not seeing anything other than this machine. Mm. Um, and I thought, well, if you're going to have a city full of uh, dispossessed, miserable folk looking for just somewhere, anywhere to go, send them to the, cas the casino and keep them amused. Mm. I think because Glasgow is often, obviously, recently it's been used as a, the zombie capital of the world in the <laughs> Z world. But there's a brilliant Bernard Tavernier film called Oh no, I can't remember the French the French name for it, but it, I think it's called Death Watch, and it's got it was made in the seventies or maybe the early 80s and it's got a young Harvey Keitel in it mm. oh it's a brilliant film oh, I need to look it up yeah a friend of mine who's a French teacher gave me a copy of the DVD um, and it's this place where people no longer die from disease they only die from old age and there's a TV programme called Death Watch which starts up because someone is a younger person played by a very famous French actress, I can't remember. Really, I should write these names down before I start doing these things. But, so, and what happens is they implant the camera in uh, Harvey Keitel's head, so he's like following around. He befriends her and follows around, and this becomes, it's kind of like weird big brother years and years beforehand. Um, but it's very interesting that, here's a, a, a certainly European known director, but chose to film in Glasgow. And it's Glasgow of the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, a lot of it's filmed up in um, oh, the Royal Infirmary. That's where he gets his camera put in. And then down into the garbles of the time and everything. And you think, yeah, this is the perfect place to film this. But other places, you know, it's, there's certain parts of Glasgow and essentially you've done it in the imagination rather than put it on film that seem to lend itself to this idea that here if if there is a city in this country that may well fall apart it could well be Glasgow That's and perhaps right. it's because of all these different aspects to it it's it's crumbling and rising at the same time and, and they just it's, it's like um, plates before an earthquake they're jostling and they mm. don't really have there's frissons and there's nowhere for that energy to go people are just they're shambling and desperate and a lot of them are miserable and don't know they're miserable or mm -hmm. a lot of them have too much money and too much time in their hands a lot of them have nothing but mm -hmm. their cigarettes and their pint um and it's there is just this element of this atmosphere of slow decay um i used to uh, one of the ways that i shift writer's block is i go out with my camera and take pictures of the ah. kind of things i want to write about um 
and I've got millions and millions of photographs on my computer, and some of them are in the book actually, just of, of sites of dereliction. Mm. Um, a, a very, very nice writer friend, Jason Donald, took me to Ibrox where they were pulling down a building. Um, that's the shot that's on the on the back cover. Um, ah, okay. And it was just it was insane just to watch this this it was people's homes and they were crumbling. Um, you could see inside the apartments, you know, the colours of the walls and the I've seen that when they pulled down some of the ones across from the Citizens Theatre. And it's kind of awful, it becomes an event. And people go and see people's lives being ripped down. It's really strange. Yeah, I felt a bit of an ambulance chaser mm. snapping these things, but um, yeah, I'll pay for it in hell. Um, <laughs> it was just, it, it was fascinating to watch. And um, Ibrooks isn't really a picnic anyway. Um, mm. You know, if you're kind of not wanting to get yourself knifed or attacked by a dog of some description, um, it was just, it was really really strange just to see how hard people were clinging on. Somebody had spray painted their names, you know, along the front of the balcony, just to you know, a, a memorial that's going to be crumbling anyway. Yeah. But they just wanted it seen. Notice. Yeah. They wanted to be noticed. Yeah. It's an int. Love Glasgow to bits, lived here for most of my life. Um, and my favourite writer, one of my favourite writers, is James Kelman. What's very interesting to me is Kelman doesn't engage with Glasgow after the year of culture because I think he feels that's when Glasgow sold its soul. And I don't want to speak for him, but that's what he tends to think. Now, I love the modern, I had a great time when it was year of culture <laughs> and since, but there is a sense that it's almost like the person who is you know, doing themselves up while actually there's something really wrong, sick inside. You know, they're showing a good face, but something's not right. To be honest, um, I had this really, really great class um, for a module called Media and Cultural Policy, where mm -hmm. um, one of the women responsible for the Scotland with Style scheme came mm. on to speak to us. And bear in mind that this is a class, not all of us are from Glasgow. Um, we've got you know, a couple of Americans, a lot of folk from all over England. Um, and only myself and one other person piped up and said, Scotland the style, what about Ibrooks? what about the Barras, what about all this stuff? Mm -hmm. I mean, are you not catering to these people? Mm -hmm. No, we, we, we don't talk about that, was essentially her yeah. attitude. Kind of, we, we're going to blank it out. Glasgow consists of Buchanan Street and the Merchant City, yeah. you know, the nice bits. Yeah. And everything else is just a mirage. And I just, I was absolutely stunned because I thought, to me anyway, um, when I go for a night out in Glasgow, I don't want to sit in a posh cocktail bar. I want to go down to the 13th note and get, you know, somewhere a wee bit scuzzy, somewhere a wee bit real. Um, and that is just not part of the Glasgow rebranding package. And yeah. um, no, I, I do but think. But luckily, there's enough in the city that people, and I'm sure every city is exactly the same, that people kind of ignore that and let people go on and do it. And actually, you know, there is such a, not just in writing, but in music and in, in art, a vibrancy to the city that actually people go, well, you know, you go and, and you know, style yourself till you're daft. We'll just go and do what we want to do. I think everything vibrant and exciting um, about the Glasgow cultural scene, whether it's music or writing yeah. or whatever, it's all coming from underground. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of it's the way it's been for quite a while now, and um, I think I would rather uh, go and see an up and coming band in uh, King Tut's than um, pay forty quid for a seat at the SECCC. Yeah, well, that's oh yeah, and and and. Uh, well, so would I, absolutely. I have no doubt about it. Um, going back to... Uh, well, when we were talking about Glasgow there, and obviously that's the city that we are now sitting in at the minute, but have you had um, submissions from 
a wide range of, of universities in, in terms for, for Octavius or has it mainly been central belt? We've had like a, a whole load and I was really worried that it would seem kind of Glasgow centric and that people from Edinburgh or Dundee or Aberdeen wouldn't want to submit because it's... Because there still Glasgow. is, I think it's getting better, but there still is this idea that, uh, you know, Edinburgh writers stay in Edinburgh and Glasgow writers stay in... Uh, which is why I really like Bissett because he's from Falkirk, so you know he's mm. kind of stuck in the middle. But um, you know, the, and never the twain shall kind of. Yeah. It's getting better, but there still is a little bit like that. So I was I was really worried that we would just get loads of Glasgow stuff, and but so far there's been like a huge mix of everything. There's not been any big particular uh, university or city that's submitted more than any other, and I think it's it's that's really brilliant. nice. That's really important because something we've spoken about. Uh, written about is that I think at the moment um, it's an interesting time in, in Scottish culture in general because people are listening to voices from highlands and islands, from the north, from the borders and it's because for a while it was absolutely central belt focused and, and this seems to be changing and I think if you can, where you've got a real advantage is if you go into the universities and now these universities, it's not just Aberdeen, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Strathclyde, but you've got Highlands and Islands, West Coast of Scotland, is that what it's called? University of West of Scotland. University yeah. of West of Scotland. So it's really branched out and there will be people in all of these institutions that will be looking for somewhere that, where they can find someone that's going to give them a voice. Yeah. Or they, they have their voice, they want someone to, to you know, give them a platform to, yeah. to get out there. So no, we were just really... Um, intent on having it is all students studying mm -hmm. in Scotland and any bit of Scotland yeah. um, because I, I didn't want to have like another Glasgow magazine or mm -hmm. another Edinburgh magazine yeah. or something I wanted to reflect something that's the whole country uh, gets the chance to you know to say what they want to say really. it's mm -hmm. going to be really really diverse and landscapey and yeah. rich and it's, it's also nice because we've had people obviously like foreign students who are currently studying here there's been a couple of people who've sent in um, stories that are written as English isn't their first language or um, stories that combine languages so there'll be like a passage in English, a passage in French or something like that. It's good cool to hear that. That's really interesting. Experience. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's been happening more and more. There is less of a, a need to say, uh, well, you were born and raised in Scotland and therefore you're a Scottish writer. Actually, the more that people are coming over, I mean, I, I was teaching in, in Edinburgh in the summer, uh, to overseas students, you know, they are um, a idea of Scotland is absolutely as valid as anyone who's been for and if they can write it and express it and it's, it's artistically yeah. valid, then you know, that's what you want to hear. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, oh, exciting times. And also, I just think it's exciting times. It, it helps get away from the whole idea of Scottish writers writing about Scotland as well because I didn't want to publish. A magazine that was just full of, um, you know, these are my thoughts about Scotland or mm. something like that. So it's been nice to have the opportunity to just have people to write the stories about whatever they want to write. We're not looking for any particular genre or anything. You know, we're not going to say no to this um, and yes to something else. We just, the only criteria is you're a student and, you know, if you hit the word count, then you'll know, keep it. A bit yeah. Older. And you've got to have that kind of thing, otherwise, you would have everyone just yeah. like hitting you with stuff. I'm interested to know, I mean, have you. I mean, have you read all of them, or have you sort of you other people helping you out too? We we do have other people on it, um, so because I didn't want to just have you know one person's opinion yeah, sure. publishing. Um, right now, everyone's reading through them, um, yeah. so we've got a couple. So you of have like if some if you think I think this is good, have a read of it. Do you think it's good? That kind of thing. Yeah, that basically that sort of you know majority vote. Mm. Um, if 
most people think it's it should go in then obviously it's going to go in there's no um sort of hierarchy as it were between the people who are working on it um because i just think that, that would be it would have a, an odd atmosphere yeah, a horrible no, no. sort of like you know but it's my magazine so yeah um we've done away with that so that if the whole if everyone says yes i think that's the only yes, way it can work and it's the only way these things can work um and is there a what kind of balance is there between styles of writing? I mean, have you got every style of writing, or is there some people saying, "Well, I think, for instance, Scotland recently has been well known for its detective fiction." Obviously, have you got a lot of people saying, "Well, here's the next Ian Rankin"? Um, it's, it's been a fair mix, actually. I'd say that um, there's been a lot of everyone always says, "Like, are oh, you getting much poetry?" Because that's like the sort of difficult thing to grab in, but. It's not 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 that it's been a problem really. We've had loads of different types of prose, um, from sci-fi to yeah. detective stuff to um, and then loads of poetry, little microfiction stuff yeah. like that. We've I wonder if that's because you're throwing it out to such a wide audience. Um, you know, if if I was if you're going to write a story for a certain magazine which has already been published, you might think, well, I need to, you know, cater this in a certain way to do yeah. it. But I actually think just give us anything, and if we think it's good, it'll go in. Uh, I, I, I genuinely can't wait to, to see what comes out from it. Yeah. Are, is it going to just be online? We, it's a kind of an awkward subject really that we, <laughs> we, we started yes. thinking, um, you know, let's do this as like a, a free online download to keep the cost low and because it, we can get it out to loads of people. But um, more and more we started to think that it's actually really nice to have something that you can physically hold and you can say like, mm. look, this is me in this magazine. So yeah. um, right I mean, now I we're... Think that, I don't know what you think, Christopher, but I think that's still important. You know, we, I, we go to a book launch, nearly everyone that was there, as I, far as I could see, bought a copy of the book. Uh, you know, there's still something about having uh, the physical item in your hand. Yeah. And I understand why people maybe wouldn't want to do that because it becomes an, an extra expense and everything. Yeah. I mean, I've had conversations with this with other people. Do you get the people who you say, well, we'll publish you, but you need to, you know, and then it becomes vanity publishing and it becomes something else completely. And these are things which you've got to balance. Yeah. But I do think, you know, if you can do it, it's great to have something. Yeah, I think and Valve was a great example of that. Yeah, it's, it's still sort of up in the air. But, um, ideally, we'd love to have, you know, the print copy and then something to download, maybe, you know, like a teaser mm. or something. Like yeah. um, Cargo did one with Alan Wilson's uh, latest, latest book launch. Or whether we just have two versions and you know you can buy whichever one you want or something. But so yeah. what do you think about you know the, the the balance between something that you want online and something that you get? In there? I've published in um, a few online journals before, and while it's, it, it's it, every publication is awesome, it's great to see mm -hmm. it there. But um, you do want to pull it off the screen and hold it. Mm. There's something. This is why I'm I'm kind of <clears throat> anti Kindle, anti e-reader, anti-whatever the hell it is, because it, a book, it's not, it's not clutter, it's not baggage, it's, um, it's proof that you've been there, um, yeah. same with magazines, um, and it's, it's always lovely, you know, to go, hey mum, look, look, yeah. um, and it's harder to do that when it's online, and I totally understand about keeping the cost low, but, um, you could always kind of, uh, like print on demand um, offer yeah. people the choice between, and if they want a physical copy, they can get it. Mm -hmm. I think to do a short run of it. Yeah. I, I do think, uh, and, and this this uh, links into what we're talking about, the way particularly Watersons are changing to say, um, local writers, we're going to give you space on our shelves and, and promote you. Um, if you get a, a, a Scottish book of um, short stories and poetry and whatever it ends up being, 
then I think there will be people that will grab it off the shelves. Okay, it's not going to sell huge, huge amounts of, co of mm. copies, of course not, but there, there is, there definitely is a, an audience out there for people who Yeah, I mean, well, we, we thought there there might be a little audience, and then just given the number of people we've had submitting, I mean, the website's only been up for a month, and the hits we've had on the website and the number of people have been submitting, there is definitely an audience out there, and they're totally raring to go, so. Totally keep spreading the word. It's really nice, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about um, inspirations and influence from both of you. So kind of, uh, what, what, you said this was the first sci-fi you wrote, is that right? Yes, I wasn't really, I didn't write it thinking sci-fi in mind, but it it's definitely, became... it's, it's ended up that way. Okay, um, so who are your kind of influences and, and inspirations in terms of writers? Um, I think the book, the, 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 the novelist who changed my life about the way that, that people write and the way that you can write and the limits you can push is... Um, uh, uh, the Daily Departed, David Foster Wallace. Um, right. The level of detail. Of which I believe there is a quote at the beginning. Yes. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Yes. Um, I, hadn't, I hadn't realised that people could do that with words. I mean, the level of detail and mm. the, the insanity and the surreal and the, the desperate and the just the poetry. Mm. Um, there was not a, a, a single page of any of his publications where you were not being leapt at by sentences that would just smack you around the chops and you're left dazed. Mm -hmm. um, his, uh, his kind of magnum opus, um, Infinite Jest, it's like a thousand words long and about a tenth of that is in footnotes. Mm -hmm. um, I borrowed that from the library and I'd, I'd, you know the way you get a really, really big book in parties looking at it going, this is a bit <laughs> of a commitment. Um, I've read it at least three times by now just because I, I love going back to it and I love yeah, seeing okay. what he's doing with people and places and words and they, they, um, I think epic is probably the only, the only word I can use and um, that brings me to my, my second, um, I, I, I hadn't started to read him until after that was well finished but um, I, I'm just absolutely stunned by um, China Evil. He writes uh, weird fiction, and right. um, I read his uh, Perdido Street Station again. I've never, I cannot, I've never even heard the name. Which is it's it's mental. You got to read it. Um, China Melville. China Melville. Um, he's on the front of the book as well, oh. actually, just because I thought it was so cool. Excellent. Um, I read one of his books for uni, and I got totally hooked. Um, he defies genre. He defies time and space, and the, the limits of the the body and the landscape and it's just lush and rich and insane. Absolutely insane. It's, it's and what's the background stuff. to China? Um, Where is he from? I mean, is it? He's uh, he's an he's an English writer. He looks a bit like a wrestler. Uh, very okay. very very kind of shaven headed, heavily muscled. I'll have to check that out. It's, it's you know, no, it's someone I've never heard of at all. He's quite he's fair, he's young in terms of writing. I think he's only in his it it, it most early 30s, right. but um, he's written some fantastic stuff. Fantastic. Uh, the Perdido Street Station in particular is just this um, sprawl of um, kind of dystopian a uh, couple hundred thousand years worth uh, ahead landscapes and um, mutants and uh, cohabiting species and this kind of th it's, okay. it's really, it's, it's funny and it's scary and it's mental and it's I, I had a great time with it, I really did. Fantastic. So Sam, what about you? Not just inspirations in terms of for yourself, because I know you know you're a writer yourself. But in terms of inspirations and influences for doing this type of magazine, um, 
I can split it into sort of personal and then yeah, yeah, the sure. business. I think that in terms of uh, Octavius, then Mark Butland would be the big mm -hmm. influence because he's like a regular guy who you know, had a dream and he totally went for it and he's done really well for himself. And I just love that whole grass mo grassroots movement mm -hmm. idea. Um, so I think that constantly looking up to the stuff that he's done. And I think this is, we were talking about this earlier on, almost the way forward. Uh, and it's why I mentioned earlier on that people have to have that commitment if they're going to go and do it is because that is the way that, that, that um, new writers or new music or whatever will get out there is that people yeah. saying, I have a dream. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, that, and I'm going to follow this through and I, my God, it's going to take me a lot to stop me getting out. Yeah, I think he's published some really good books and he's not, yeah. like you said earlier, he's not totally rich off it and I think it's really nice that he's just doing it for the passion. Um, in terms of my own writing, I think the first book I read that really spoke to me personally as my own experience would be Boy Racers by Alan Bizet. Um, because well, that's interesting because Alan, Alan Wilson said pretty much the same thing. And uh, I read, when did Boy Racers come out? 2000 and... Early, I don't know. Well, I'd say one. Let's go with one. Yeah, roughly about that. Yeah, it must be because this year's the 10th anniversary because they yeah. did that, so it must be. So um, I read it in my early 30s and went, I wish I'd read this when I was in me, you know, 16, 17 or something like that. Because it, it, how I explained it, what I, I see it is that it's a, it's a book which is a bit like a John Hughes movie or Gregory's Girl, it's got this feel of, it absolutely captures that moment in time yeah. when you are moving between childhood and adulthood, yeah. that weird kind of teen time, and it's it's great for that reason. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think the locality it. as well, Just I never thought that somebody would write a book set in Falkirk yeah. and I'd yeah. stay just outside there, so it's yeah. nice to see that. Um, and then I think that uh, Doug Johnson taught me how to really draw readers in with... Like, well, he was your writer in residence, wasn't he, at Strathclyde? He taught us a bit of creative writing as well. And right. um, I think that his the plots in his books are just like so driving, I think that that's really influenced my writing. He's an incredibly uh, readable writer, that sounds mad, but very few writers manage to move things along like Doug yeah. Johnson does. I think he's, I think it's brilliant for that of a case. And um, it's interesting that he's a musician as well, because I always feel it's like, you know, oh, here's a song, here's our next one, we're going to get through this, but really well written. Yeah. Um, a very interesting writer that I haven't spoken about enough. Um, yeah, well, uh, that's uh, yeah. I mean, Alan, Alan's uh, Alan stuff really seems to have influenced a lot of people, and that's mm. that's that's uh, great. Um, so we're going to finish off, I think, by doing this thing which we do with every uh, guest that comes on the podcast when it's interviewed. So, and it's the it's the five questions. I suppose the five Scots way questions. So I'm going to ask you one at a time, and you may already have answered this, and by all means do it as well, but say, favourite writer to Kirsty? Yeah, there are a small handful, I think I'd have to say, Janice Galloway, E.L. Kennedy, uh, David Foster Wallace, and... A bit random, but C.S. Lewis. Ah, that's interesting. I love C.S. Lewis as well. Not that's Narnia some... books, his, his other stuff. His other stuff, so he's kind of more religious... Uh, uh, out uh, there, religious stuff rather than it being hidden under uh, sci-fi. Actually, sci-fi. Yes. Okay. Um, 
Again, it's probably... Which I, be- I mean, I'm presuming still has kind of religious allegory and stuff into it. It's in their eye, but it's yeah. just every single page is just lush. He's it's an amazing a, it's writer. A, it's a desert of words. He was one of the first writers that I absolutely fell in love with, but by picking as a, the Narnia books when I was mm. a child. Um, yeah, that, that's that's cool. And Galloway... Self-explanatory. I read uh, The Trick is to Keep Breathing when I was about 15, and it just resonated in so yeah. many... I, I was just... I'm always, my favourite books always tend to be the ones that change the way I think about reading and writing um, and stuff that just stuns me and um, watching her central character break down um, and just very, very plain, everyday kind of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It stuck around with me for The a little long time. details mm-hmm. of how she's managing, it's all in the title, isn't it? How mm-hmm. she's managing to just get through that life. It's a great, I mean, a genuinely, the term great is often, I use it far too much because that's the kind of person I am, but it genuinely is a great novel. I mean, that's not to not to do down our other stuff. There's um, a book of short stories called Where You Find It, yeah. which everyone is an absolute gem. Yeah, and um, Clara, and I haven't read her uh, kind of biographical stuff, which has come out recently. I haven't I haven't had the chance to get my hands on but it. But apparently it's very good as well. Yeah, Clara's amazing. Um, yeah, Clara's Absolutely amazing. epic. Foreign parts is... Yeah. You, I, I think I love it because I recognise the characters and the people around me, mm-hmm. you know, members of my family. Well, that's what I was going to say and when I briefly lost my train. I thought you were saying that you, you, you loved Boy Racers because you kind of recognised... You didn't think anyone would ever write about small-town yeah. Scotland like that. And um, and you you know talk about foreign parts and recognizing the characters, and I think that is so important and it's an underplayed that you know you recognize there's things that you can touch and say yeah that says something to me about my life. Do you know what? One of my favorite. Um, I, I, I haven't mentioned Christopher Brookmeyer, but I just think he's wonderful. He's so funny. But I haven't read much Christopher Brookmeyer actually, but he is. It. it gives you a lovely quote in the back. Oh, of he, he's an absolute gentleman. Um, he he wrote a book called The Sacred Art of Stealing and one of the scenes takes place in the bank um, on Gordon Street and that's opposite where I used to work and I just I love just reading that scene and picturing it and I don't know if it's it appeals just as easily to people who are not familiar with Glasgow but there is there is something brilliant about just I know that I was there last night yeah there is I mean it's not to be that shouldn't be the whole of things you can't just go well yeah I recognise that, that isn't that amazing but it's it's really quite nice when you take something else a little bit something mm. else from it as you say yeah. something you say well I might not know that park but I know a park like it I might not you know know that school but I yeah. went to school I like think, it I think it's nice being able to also see the difference like um, Alan was writing about Falkirk mm. and I grew up just outside it so mm-hmm. it's nice to see like that's somewhere I used to go but I don't know it as well as he does yeah. and equally so my town's a small town yeah. but it's different from Falkirk uh-huh. and um, it doesn't necessarily mean that people are not writing about universal themes I think yeah. you know Boy Race is a good example it's got lots of American influences in it you know in terms of pop culture um, you've got something like uh, James Kelman novels which certainly the Glasgow ones you can if you want you can follow them down Byers Road and go to the pubs and all that but He's talking, you know, universal themes mm-hmm. about um, uh, repression and oppression and all of these things. Um, okay, favourite book from both years? And I know, again, this is very pejorative and, you know, treat these questions as you like. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think because, I again, I've gone back to it and because I've mentioned it before, I'd have to say Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace mm-hmm. just because it's, it's, re- it's reassuring having it around. Cool. 
Okay, and Sam? I would say um, Alan Bizet's Floor Racers or Alan Wilson's Wasted in Love Collection. Oh, wow. Both of those, I think, really resonate to my experiences. I, and as we, we've obviously had Alan on one of the, po the podcasts, and it is an amazing collection of short stories. I could just read both of those just over and over and over, yeah. and I'd be happy with just them. Um, Favourite film? Now, here we go, resident film expert. you got to uh, pull out the big guns here. And it, any film, I have to say, all of these questions, it's not to say it has to be Scottish in any way, it's just your favourites. My favourites, one that I watch over and over and over again. Oh my god. Um... Sometimes the stuff you watch over and over again isn't particularly... For instance, I mean, you know, when we were doing the film podcast with Chris, we were talking about Lars von Trier you really love and admire his work, but you wouldn't want to sit and watch it over and over and over mm, again yeah. unless there was something particularly wrong with you. No, I mean, I, 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 I love A Clockwork Orange, but I wouldn't oh, want to sit through Yeah, that yeah, that's a good example. That's a very good example. Um, I don't just because I've, 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 it tickled me, um, and I've seen it recently, and I've seen it a couple of times recently, I'm going to say... Um, the Last Great Wilderness by David McKenzie. Oh, okay. It's me... Helen and terrified and yeah. inspired. Um, a very good choice, I think. Um, we never did manage to find out that David Mackenzie film that you were talking about. It's a, it's some kind of random word beginning with S. Once we finish this, yes. we're going to go and Google it. It's a bit strange. Uh, yeah, favourite film? So, um, I'm going to be really cheesy and go with The Lion King. Excellent! That's a that brilliant film! It's, yeah, and it's just been re-released and I went to go and see it with my girlfriend uh, in 2D because mm -hmm. I hate 3D films. Um, and I think it's just beautiful that they took Shakespeare and made it really accessible for everyone to the extent that a lot of people may not even realise. Do you realise that that's what's um, going on? And I just think that if you can do that with any sort of medium, if you can take something that people maybe wouldn't like and then twist it and make them really get into Love it, it, then I yeah. think go for it. It's also just such a brilliant film. So. It's one of the only films that makes me cry every single time. It's just beautifully, beautifully done. Excellent. Um, band stroke music. I know these are not easy, but they're not meant to be easy. No, I um, <clears throat> have an enduring and expensive love affair with Sonic Youth. And ah, so you were gutted at the recent... Oh, uh, you know, did you, did no! you get the t-shirts? Did you get... <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was absolutely stunned to, to find that the partnership had fallen apart. But um, now, um, I got into Sonic Youth when I was about 14, and like, you, you realise that this band that you're just into has this massive back catalogue. Mm. Um, I saved up God, my lunch. That, yeah, that yeah. must be great, yeah. I saved up my lunch money for a bit two years and just every 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 week I would go into um, Avalanche mm -hmm. and get a new record and it was just an event. Um, Did you go and see them when they played the Barlands and they yes. gave you earplugs as you went in? Yes. Yeah, it was just like it. absolutely astounding. It was amazing. Um, it was terrifying as well. What, really? You really want? Yes. Get them in your ears. I don't know, the, the, the band that made, made me want to pick up a guitar when I was a teenager, mm. the band that I still listen to every time and know that I'm in for an experience. Um, they're just they can do no wrong in my book yeah. and I, I, I have played their albums raw mm -hmm. cool so. So. I'm going to say um, The Manic Street Preachers but I probably actually listen to The Smiths more which is a bit of a controversial one because loads of people hate The Smiths but so it's maybe a <sighs> time not in this house nobody's well, allowed through the door if I they hate The Smiths in this house I think they were the two bands that made me first realise that being kind of into words and a bit geeky yeah. is actually quite cool um, and that you don't have to look a bit geeky um, in terms of the manics, mm -hmm. maybe not with Morrissey, but um, that you can be like a sort of 
oddly glamorous Welsh boy, but yeah. you're actually quite intelligent. And I think they're, a, I think they're a really underrated band, the Manics, because so. um, I think people went, oh, they became hugely successful, everything must go, and uh, and I actually think, well, no, this this has been a... One, they always wanted to be hugely successful. When, when, they, when the first yeah. album came out, they went, we're going to do, you know, we're going to be bigger than Use Your Illusion by Guns N' Roses and stuff. And... Just there's this art to them which I think is kind of underappreciated, and a sense of humour which is often underappreciated. Yeah, I just like which happens well with the Smiths as well. Yeah, so, I like how well thought out everything yeah. the which is from. It's all aesthetics, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. just I saw. Um, oh God! Oh, see again with names. Bass player Nicky Wire. Nicky Wire. I was going to say Richard, and that can't be right. Saying how when they started. The, the, the tension because you had two people that could play yeah. and two people who couldn't play but really knew their kind of art and they knew their where they wanted to, they, they want the aesthetic of the yeah. band to come through and then when you threw that together you got this real kind of tension that actually ended up making fantastic music yeah. you know for a first album to do that and say yeah we're going to make a double album and here you go it's just amazing yeah I'm glad you said that I, I think they're an amazing band and they often kind of get lost because they were in that period between kind of big happenings like Manchester and then, you know, Britpop and, and you know, and he was this band that actually have gone on to, you know, people didn't know what to make of them. They didn't. It was like when Swede came along as well. Yeah. Swede were another band that people didn't know what to make with them. And, uh, and as soon as something else came along, they went, oh God, I can understand, I can understand Oasis and Blur and all that because, mm. you know, it's signifiers. But when people were coming along and being a little bit arch, a little bit uh, androgynous, you know, just people didn't know what to make. Yeah. I remember seeing a footage of um, them playing uh, Faster on Top of the Pops and mm. um, James D. Bradfield's were in a barrel clava and the audience were just like, <laughs> okay. And it's a blistering song. It's one of my favourite songs mm. um, off that album. Um, and it just it went down like a lead balloon. Yeah. And I'm thinking, but... Because at that time it would be, and next we have... Kylie and Jason, or yeah. something, something along those or lines. Oasis, or mm. um, but we don't talk about that. The f so the final question, as always, is event, etc., gig, reading, play, whatever that made you want to do what you do. Something that said it could even be a, a book, I suppose, but something that you went to. No, it really does have to be an event that you went. I, you know, this has changed my life. You go first. I've rambled. Right. Um, Again, I'm, I've got two. I seem to be thinking in doubles. Um, right. I would say um, right now, last year, um, because I performed at it and it made me really feel like I could actually jump on this and really yeah. go with it. And it, it totally boosted my confidence, which is Brilliant. something that we were thinking of doing with Octavius doing spoken mic. I think you should. I think mm -hmm. the, more, yeah. the more live stuff there is out there, the better. I really yeah. believe that because there are people looking for it. Mm. And if they think if there's one a month, they're going to go, okay, that's one a month. If they're going, oh, there's one a week and, and there's different people doing yeah. it. And I think that's so I think it's so helpful to, as a writer as well. Um, yeah. And then also the, the Alan Wilson launch of Wasted in Love because I think that he's like a young writer and I can really relate to him and he's just incredible and he's getting the success that he's But, but that, that launch was really inspiring because it was packed. Yeah. And okay, Cargo did a great job of, of letting people know what was going to happen, and yes, there were family members and stuff in the audience, but it was much more than that. There were other people who had heard this book was coming out. There was a, I, I, I've never been, I've been to a lot of book launches in Watsons. I, I remember going to see James Kelman when there was only about 20 people in the room. This was absolutely jam-packed, and you really did get the sense that 
hopefully here's someone whose writing is going to really be uh, grasped. And I think that's a really good one to choose as well. Okay, it's down to you. I, I, I kind of have two. I read, um, one of my favourites was, um, I, I used to perform quite regularly at Inish Litch, which is this kind of kind of mishmash um, cabaret thing um, in the basement of the 13th Note. And I was performing one night with, um, I, was, I was showing a film whilst I was reading, and there was a musician performing um, called Beaches of the Proud who was making the most immense racket mm -hmm. um, of just, it was absolutely awesome. And um, I got to thinking, I really, really need a soundtrack better than, you know, the stolen Mogwai. Um, and we got in touch and uh, realised that, do you know what, if we, if we, you know, perform together, we'll bring in both of our crowds. Yeah, and yeah. It was just great to see the synthesis, mm -hmm. you know, the synergy, just bringing it all together. That's one thing which interests me, interests me at the moment about the cultural scene in general, but particularly about, you're talking about spoken word nights and stuff, is that it's not just you know, people standing up and reading their latest short story or poem or whatever, there are, and here's a band playing and here, um, uh, you were working when they did the relaunch or the, the paperback of uh, Year of Open Doors, weren't you, I think? You were there that uh, night when uh, Aidan yeah. Moffat was performing and yeah. uh, Aaron Hubbard was performing yeah, and it was just, you think, well this is an event. Yes, abs don't, don't just say, well it's a poetry night. And that's it, no, and nobody no, doing no, poetry. No. Get stuff in there, you know. I'd love to see people showing short films and, and you know, doing that kind of thing as well. And you can get such because um, it tends to be, as hopefully we've proven uh, tonight, people aren't just interested in the one thing. If you're interested in writing, you tend to be interested in all of these other things that kind of make your life worth. Why? No, I, I learned pretty early on that um, standing up and reading for 20 minutes was not going to go down a storm. No. Um, people have a limited attention span and if you can do a couple of things or even if you just want to at least try and be funny, um, mm -hmm. something, bring it all together and, and entertain people because that's what they're there for. If, mm -hmm. if they wanted just a, a couple of pages of a book, they could quite happily sit and read it at home yeah. and not feel bored. There has to be something else. There has to be something else. I, 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 it has taken me a long time to kind of reach that point where I know that this is too long or it's too wordy or it's too whatever mm. just entertain them, do not yeah. bore them um, yeah. and music's a huge part of that Don't bore us, get to the chorus yes. as somebody yes. else said. and what about your other uh, event? Um, it was just, it, it, I had the most amazing um, weekend at the Wicktown Book Festival last year just because it was Booktown, it was awesome and I was in a tent absolutely blind drunk with Ian Rankin and Kirsten Innes and Sophie Cook and I, th I think Mark Buckland showed up at one point mm. as well. Um, no doubt. Uh, I, I, I met him on the train home actually and um, that kind of made it go in a lot quicker. Um, but it was just uh, absolutely mental. Um, I met some fantastic people. Um, I just had a really, really lovely experience, you know. It's There is so much support out there for, for, for everything. You know, you, you see it when people write novels and get them out there and you'll find it as well with the magazine that if as long as you find the right way to contact folk, there'll be so much support for what you want to do. So, and and there, are, there are new festivals, there are new nights, there are people who are really interested in doing this. And I think the fact that it's kind of got away from, we have to get into the big bookstores and get out there, um, it's really refreshing and hopefully uh, um, it will continue that way. I think it will. I think it's in, we're in really interesting times and that's why um, I'm really pleased that both of you came along to talk about just, yes, the difficulties of getting stuff out there, but actually the enthusiasm for, for having stuff out 
uh, at the moment. Um, I look forward to, one, I look forward to, to reading Octavius, and I will be reading Abstract Concrete and no doubt writing a review on it on the uh, old Scotch O'Hay blog. So, Kirsty, thanks as always for coming along. Thank you very much, it's been wonderful. Thank you, Sam, for coming along. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, we'll be with you uh, next time. I've no idea who's coming along, but it should be fascinating. Mm -hmm.